0: The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. It's time now for Pilgrim's Progress Storytime with Pastor Ray Greenlee. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress Storytime. This is another edition of Pilgrim's Progress, written by John Bunyan, first published in 1678, a wonderful story in allegory form of the journey from the city of destruction all the way to the celestial city, to heaven. It's a journey that everyone must take if they are going to arrive with Jesus in that celestial city. Many things happen. He talks with many people. We're going to share with you today chapter 6, entitled, A Faith Beyond Works. Now I saw in my dream... That as they went on, Faithful looked to one side and saw a man whose name was Talkative walking beside them a short, a short distance away. For on that part of the path there was room enough for many to walk together. Talkative was a tall man. He looked more handsome at a distance than he did up close. Faithful spoke to Talkative. "'Friend, how are you? Are you going to the heavenly country?' "'That's exactly where I'm going,' Talkative replied. "'Well, very good. I hope we may have the pleasure of your company. "'I'd be happy to be your companion on the journey. "'Come then, let's, let's go together and let's spend our time "'in conversation about things that are excellent,' Faithful invited. "'Talkative said, "'I'm glad to have met someone who realizes how profitable it is "'to talk about good things.' To tell you the truth, there are very few of us who will spend time during travel speaking about that which is good. Most men will waste their time talking about things that are of of no value, a fact that troubles me. Faithful agreed. Yes, that waste of time is something to regret. Is there anything more worthy of our tongue and our mouths than to speak of the things of God? and of heaven. Oh, I'm enjoying your company already, talkative said warmly. Your speech is full of conviction. And to what you said, I would add that it, there's nothing more profitable or pleasant as talking about the things of God. Also, if a man likes to talk about history, or the mystery of things, or miracles, or signs, or wonders... Where would he find it recorded more sweetly than in the Holy Scriptures? Faithful agreed, saying, That is true. We should desire thus to be profited in our conversation by purposely talking about the things of God. Talkative added, Those are my thoughts also. For to talk of such things is most profitable. By so doing, a man may gain knowledge about the things, the many things, including the vanity of earthly things and the, bed of things, the benefit of things above. To be more specific, by talking, a man may learn the necessity of the new birth, the insufficiency of our works, and the need of Christ's righteousness. In addition, by talking, a man may learn what it is to repent, to believe, to pray, to suffer, and the like. By talking, a man may learn what are the great promises and consolations of the gospel and be comforted by those promises. Further, by talking, a man may learn to refute false opinions, to defend the truth, and also to instruct the ignorant. All of that is... "...is true, and I'm glad to hear you say them," Faithful stated. Talk it if we on. Because there's so little talk of these things, there are few who understand the need for faith and the necessity of work of grace in the soul for the obtaining of eternal life. They are still ignorantly living in the works of the law, through which no man by any means may obtain the kingdom of heaven." Faithful said, Yes, but the heavenly knowledge of these things is the gift of God. No man can attain them by human industry or by merely talking about them. Oh, all of this I know very well, Talkative said softly, for for a man can receive nothing unless it is given to him from heaven. All is of grace. "'Not of works. "'I could give you a hundred scriptures to confirm this.' "'Well, then,' said Faithful, "'what is the one thing that we should spend our time talking about?' "'Well, whatever you like,' talk it if offered. "'I will talk of things heavenly or earthly, "'moral or evangelical, "'sacred or profane, past or future.' domestic or foreign, important or inconsequential, so long as it's done for our benefit. Now Faithful began to marvel about talkative, and stepping over to where Christian was walking, he softly he softly said to him, what a brave companion we have found. Do you not think that this man will make a, a very excellent pilgrim? Hearing this, Christian smiled gingerly and said, The man with whom you are so impressed will beguile you with that tongue of his. And twenty who do not know of him, do you know of him? Know him? Yes, better than he knows himself. Faithful inquired, Tell me, who is he? Christian replied, His name is Talkative. He dwells in our town. I'm surprised that He's a stranger to you, but perhaps it's understandable since our town is so large. Whose son is he? And where does he live? Faithful inquired. Christian reported, he's the son of Mr. Saywell. He lives in Pratting Row, and he's known to all who are acquainted with him by the name of Talkative, notwithstanding his fine tongue. He is a miserable person. Well, he seems very respectable to me, Faithful stated. Christian responded, Yes, to those who don't really know him, he is a very respectable man. He is best abroad. Near home, he's unseemly. Your impression of him as a respectable man brings to my mind the work of a painter whose pictures show attractively at a distance. "'but unpleasantly up close. "'I noticed you smiled. "'Are you jesting with me?' "'Faithful wondered. "'Christian protested. "'God forbid that I should jest or jest, "'although I did smile. "'I would not accuse anyone falsely. "'I will give you a further insight "'into who this man really is. "'This man travels with any company.' And he talks of everything. As he's now talking with you, so will he talk when he's drinking at the pub. And the more he drinks, the more he talks. Religion has no place in his heart, his home, or his conversation. He is all talk. His religion is to make a noise with his mouth. Really? Then I have been greatly deceived by this man, Faithful concluded. Yes, you may be sure of it, Christian asserted. Remember the proverb, they say and do not. But the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. He talks of prayer, of repentance, of faith, and now of the new birth. But he only knows how to talk about them. I've been with his family and have observed him both at home and abroad. And I know what I say about him is true. His house is as empty of true religion as the white of an egg is without flavor. In his home, there's no prayer, no sign of repentance for sin. The ox of the field is in his own way serving God far better than he. He is a stain and a reproach and a shame to true religion. No one who knows him has a good word to say about him. The common people who know him say that he is a saint abroad, but a devil at home. His poor family knows what a tyrant he is. He is rude, raving at the slightest provocation, and so unreasonable with his servants that they don't know what to do or to say to him. Men who have had financial dealings with him say that he is... It is better to deal with a cheat than to deal with this man. This man, talkative, is worse than a cheat and far surpasses the worst criminal in his ability to beguile and to defraud. To make matters worse, he is bringing up his sons to follow in his footsteps. If he sees in his own children even the slightest tendency toward a tender conscience, he calls them fools and blockheads. He discourages it in every way that he possibly can, and he makes a mockery of them before others. It is my opinion that he has, by his wicked life, caused many to stumble and fall. And unless God prevents it, He will be the ruin of many more. Well, my brother faithful said, I'm inclined to believe you not only because you know him, but also because I cannot imagine that you would say these things slanderously or falsely out of ill will, but only because this warning is true. Christian went on. Had I just met him, I might have shared your good opinion of this man. Had I received a bad report about talkative from those who are the enemies of true religion, as often happens when evil men speak of faithful men, I would have considered those remarks slanderous. But based on my own knowledge of the man and the reports of good men who are ashamed of him and his company, I can assure you that he is as guilty as I am reporting. I can see that. I can see that saying and doing are two different things. Faithful said sadly, I shall be more careful to observe the difference in the future. Christian solemnly stated, They are two different things indeed, and are as diverse as are the soul and the body. For just as the body without the soul is a lifeless carcass, so... So also is saying without doing. The soul of religion is the practiced working out. True religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Talkative is not aware of this truth. He thinks that hearing and talking will make him a good Christian, and so he has deceived his own soul. By hearing God's word is indeed the way the the word is sown in our hearts. But talking alone in response to the word is not enough to prove that the seed is bearing fruit in our lives. Let us be very certain that at the day of doom, men will be judged according to their fruits. No one will be asked, did you believe? But instead, were you doers? or were you talkers? Accordingly, they will be judged. The end of the world is compared to a harvest, and the harvest of our souls. As you know, men at harvest time are only interested in fruit. This doesn't mean that we can believe anything false to true faith, as long as we bear fruit. For from it, I say that to show you how insignificant the profession of talkative will be on that final day of judgment, Faithful added. This brings to mind what Moses said when he described the beast that is clean. The clean beast is not one that both parts the hoof and chews the cud, but the beast that is only one or the other. The hare chews the cud, but is still unclean because he does not part the hoof this truly remembers and resembles talkative, who chews upon the word as if he seeks knowledge, but he doesn't divide at the hoof. That is, he does not part with the way of sinners. Just like the hare, he has the foot of an unclean dog or bear and is therefore unclean. As far as I know, you have declared the true sense of these gospel texts. Christian affirmed. And I will add one more thing. Paul calls some men, those who are great talkers, sounding brass and tinkling cymbals. That is, as he explains in another place, things without life giving sound. These men are without life, without true faith, without the grace of the gospel, even though their talk sounds like the tongue of a vo- the voice of an angel, consequently, these are men who will never, never dwell in the kingdom of heaven among those who are the children of life. Faithful said, "Well, I was not fond of his company when we first conversed, but now i 'm sick of it. What shall we do to get rid of him? Oh, take my advice." And do as I tell you, and you will find that he will soon be sick of your company also, unless God touches his heart and changes it, Christian suggested. Well, what would you have me do? Well, go to him, enter into some serious discourse about the power of religion, which he will affirm, I assure you, and then ask him plainly whether this power is something that is truly working itself out in his heart and in his home, in his behavior. So Faithful stepped back over to where Talkative was walking and began to converse with him. "'How are you doing?' he asked. "'Well, very well, thank you,' Talkative replied. "'I thought we should have had a great deal of talk by now.' "'Well,' Faithful offered, "'if you would like, we will continue our conversation. "'And when we last spoke, you left it to me to pose a topic for discussion. "'So here is my question.' How does the saving grace of God make itself known when it is in the heart of a man? Oh, I see, Talkative stated. You want to talk about the power of things. Well, that's a very good question. I'll be happy to answer you. I'll make my answer brief and to the point. First, when the grace of God is at work in the heart, it causes there to be a great outcry against sin. Secondly, no, 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 wait a minute. Let's consider your points one at a time. I think you should have said, it makes itself known by inclining the soul to abhor its sin. Why? What's the difference between crying out against and abhorring sin? Talkative inquired. Well, there's a great deal of difference. A man may cry out against sin out of principle, but he cannot abhor it unless he has God's own antipathy against it. For instance, I've seen many cry out against sin in the pulpit, yet who abide it well enough in their own home, in their own heart, in their manner of life. Potiphar's wife cried out against Joseph with a loud voice as if she had been very holy. Yet she would have gladly, despite her cries to the contrary Committed adultery with him Some cry out against sin as a mother cries out against her child And when she calls her a good-for-nothing and a naughty girl And then next she smothers her with hugs and kisses I think you're trying to trip me up with details, talkative accused No, I'm only trying to set things right but what is the second way in which a work of grace makes itself known in the heart of man? Great knowledge of gospel mysteries, talkative offered. Faithful countered. This sign should have been first, but first or last, it's also false. For knowledge, even great knowledge, may be obtained in the mysteries of the gospel without a work of grace in the soul. The truth is that a man can have an abundance of knowledge and still be nothing, and so consequently, no child of God. When Christ asked, do you know all these things? And the disciple, they answered, yes. He added, blessed are you if you do them. He did not pronounce a blessing for knowing, but for doing. For there is a knowledge that is not connected with doing he said that he knows his master will master's will and does not do it. A man may know like an angel and yet not be a Christian, therefore the point you make is not true. indeed, to know is something that that pleases talkers and boasters. But to do is that which pleases God, not that the heart can be good without knowledge. For without knowledge, the heart is empty. But there are two kinds of knowledge. The first is alone in its bare speculation of things. The second is accompanied by the grace of faith and love, which causes a man to do the will of God from the heart. The first kind of knowledge will serve the talker. But a true Christian will not be content until his knowledge results in sincere works that please God. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy law. Yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Talkative protested, You're trying to trap me again. This is not edifying. Well, then tell me another way in which the saving grace of God makes itself known when it's in the heart of a man. Faithful charged, not I, for I see we shall not agree. Faithful offered, well, if you will not, may I have your permission to do so. Oh, you're free to say whatever you want, Talkative said. So Faithful began. A work of grace in the soul makes itself known either to the one who has it or to onlookers. Where God's grace is truly at work, it produces conviction of sin, as the converted soul becomes aware of its defilement of his nature. And the sin of unbelief, a sin that he now knows with certainty, will send him to hell unless he finds the mercy of God by the hand of faith in Jesus Christ. This new awakening of the soul works in him to produce sorrow and shame for sin. But that's not all. He also finds revealed in him the Savior of the world and realizes the absolute necessity of clinging to him for life. When he desperately clutches onto him. The awakened soul finds that his hunger and thirst for the Savior increases just as it is promised. Now, according to the strength or the weakness of his faith in his Savior, so is his joy and peace. So is his love for holiness. So are his desires to know him more and to serve him more single-mindedly in this present world but although I say that this work of grace is partially discovered by the sinner, yet it is very seldom that he's able to conclude that this is a work of grace because of the corruption of his earthly nature and the continued faultiness of his reason. He's likely to misjudge the work that's going on inside of him. Therefore in him who has this grace, there is required very sound judgment before he can, with some assurance, conclude that this is the work of God's grace. To others, it is made known as follows. One, by a confession of his faith in Christ, and two, by a life that is answerable to that confession. To be specific, a life of holiness, of heart holiness, family holiness. And by life and conversions— and conversations sharply distinguished from the world. Such a man inwardly abhors both his sin and himself for sinning, suppresses sin in his family, and promotes holiness in the world. He does not do this by talk only as a hypocrite or a talkative person may do, but by a practical demonstration of a godly life in faith and love through the power of the word if you have no objection to this brief description of the work of grace and how it evidences itself in the life of a true believer, then I will ask you a second question. Talkative calmly stated, my part is not to object but to listen. Let me hear your second question. Well, it is this. Have you experienced what I've described? Do your life and your conduct testify to prove of it? Or does your religion consist of words only without deeds to attest to the truth of them? Please, if you want to answer me, be careful to say no more than what you know God above will say. Amen to. Say nothing that your conscience would not approve. For it's not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one the Lord commands. Besides, It is a great wickedness to say I am such and such when my conduct and all my neighbors would say completely otherwise. Well, we're out of time for today's broadcast. We'll pick it up here next week. You're listening to Pilgrim's Progress, the story time. God bless you. I love you.